Hello friends, what's happening? This is Markley coming at you from Studio B in beautiful downtown Olympia. A bunch of you folks have let me know that you enjoyed the last episode focusing on Margot Gurion. It was a really fun one, and I feel like this podcast is finally beginning to take shape. I mentioned some email correspondence I had had with Margot, but I didn't include it in the last episode, so I'm going to give that to you here. If you haven't heard the episode, it's a good idea to go back and play that one first. I asked my friends Ashley Erickson and Eli Moore to read the email for me, which they did. So here it is, with Eli in the role of myself, and Ashley in the role of Margot. When did you decide to become a songwriter, and who were your first influences? I never decided, just did. I wrote little poems before I began taking piano lessons at age six. I actually found notebooks full of lyrics to songs I made up before I could write music. My first influence was my father, who played the piano and taught me T for Two as a youngster. And then when I took piano lessons, I fell in love with J.S. Bach. As a child, I remember saying, he gives every finger something to do. Who are your favorite songwriters of all time? Rodgers and Hammerstein, Cole Porter, I'm sure there are more oldies, Harry Nelson, The Beatles, Elton John, The Bee Gees, and Mick Jagger. You tend to throw a lot of musical curveballs, odd time signatures, and rhythmic figures, surprise chords, stuff like that. It comes off very natural despite its irregularity. I guess the question is, where did that come from? Don't really know. If it seems natural to me, I just do it. Being that you got your start in jazz music, have you followed jazz into the present? Any favorites? Classic or modern? I still like jazz, but today's jazz is much different from what I liked. Favorites are Miles Davis, Coltrane, Horace Silver, Ahmad Jamal, among others. It has been said that initially you were not regarded as a strong enough singer to have your own records. For what it's worth, your soothing voice is what drew me in from the get-go. Was there some respite for you after achieving cult status? The first session was a total disaster. It was my husband, David Rosner, who suggested doubling my voice, and it worked. Every song you've heard has a vocal double on it. Take a Picture came out in 1968. What were the first few months following its release like for you? The first few months were wonderful. But then Bell Records, Larry Utah wanted me to perform, do TV, travel, and I said no. He stopped promoting the record and it tanked. I saw it in a cutout, 35 cent bin in a New York record store. How about that little three decade period in between Take a Picture's initial release and its reissue? Also, maybe it's none of my business, 
but one has to wonder, by any chance are you harboring an arsenal of unreleased material? It was the Japanese record collectors who forced the reissue. It was first re-released on Keystone, a small label who kindly sent me a copy. Then Cornelius, a Japanese artist, issued Tap on his label. Then Siesta Records in Spain reissued the record for Europe, and finally a reissue appeared in the US. In the intervening years, my husband has kept me busy producing other artists. And no, I don't have an arsenal of unreleased material. Your chopsticks variations seem on the surface a very playful idea, but you take an all too familiar melody, deconstruct it, and show off all the beauty underneath. I guess that's not a question, but thanks. I was teaching the Mozart variations to children. They loved the familiar tune, but they got too hard too fast. I wondered what I could write that every child knew. Aha, chopsticks. I have a few more episodes already recorded for future release and a few more in the works. I'm looking to keep season one going until this autumn, then return with the second season in January. I'm counting on your help to spread the word and I've got some stickers and buttons on the way to share with you and hopefully spark conversations with other music geeks in your life. So if you want a button or a sticker, just send me an email. My email is lowprofilepodcast at gmail.com. On April 18th, Tim, Susan, and Leela, some friends of mine, join me to discuss Gary Wilson and interview him. Gary is an enigmatic performer and recording artist and an innovator of a music no one else can imitate. Before taping the episode, I talked to my friend Steffi, who had a pretty unique encounter with Gary Wilson herself. I'm going to play you a little bit of Gary's music and then play you the conversation we had. It's getting dark I think I'll take a walk on through The Northside Park I don't feel afraid Cause it's night I know my friends are waiting for me In the light The lights in you Gary's in the park And you know I'll be waiting for you Gary's in the dark And you know okay. I'll be waiting so, for you when did I first You played at my birthday party When I turned 30 and, wow. Yeah, and I had seen him lots of times before, but uh, I don't understand how we got him to play at my birthday party. All my friends were starting a radio station, and so they were like, we're going to do a 30th birthday party for you, and who do you want to play? And I was like, Gary Wilson, because <laughs> I was obsessed with him at the time, because he had a pet duck, and I had, used to have a pet duck, or he didn't have it anymore, but he used to have a pet duck. And so I just felt an affinity for Gary Wilson, and it's always really fun to go see him play, and everybody has a great time. It was really fun. He was, like, rolling around on the ground and acting Gary, and it was it was a really memorable birthday. 
I, he had the baby powder. There wasn't very much baby powder. He had the blow-up doll. He had the duct tape. I definitely saw... I saw some things that night because he was rolling around on the ground. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Bits and pieces? Bits and pieces. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, and Gary Wilson only eats once a day, and he eats like a plain hamburger at like 11 o'clock. I think it's like 11 or 10 o'clock at night. Every night, that's his meal is a hamburger. And, I, and he also makes them for his dog. That's that's pretty that's pretty nice of him. Yeah, he has a really close relationship with his dog. I forget his name right now. But you're are you gonna talk to him? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna talk to him in like probably a couple weeks. Well, that's it for now. But I'll be invading your podcatcher again on the 18th of April with a feature-length dose of edutainment. Don't forget to tell a friend about the show. And if you want to help cover some overhead and prolong the show, there's a Patreon account accessible at lowprofilepodcast.com. Catch you next time.